And when I think about AI, pretty much anywhere where humans are interacting uh, through questions, through information, that interface can, can be supercharged by artificial intelligence. And so I genuinely do think that there's, there are massive industries um, waiting to be adopted here. Welcome to the Vitalize Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the Director of Marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. On today's episode, we have Dion Nicholas, co-founder and CEO of Forethought, a company transforming customer service with human-centered AI. They resolve common cases instantly, predict and prioritize tickets, and assist support agents with relevant knowledge, all from one AI-powered platform. They announced at the end of 2021 their $65 million Series C. They are growing like crazy. We dive into a variety of topics on what Forethought is doing, the future of work, how they decide to build their own team with hubs located around the U.S. and in Canada, and much more. Let's dive in. Dion, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin. Glad to be here. Good to see you. Yes, and now we're doing a video interview, which is great. I can see you on the digital, the digital world here. And I, I've seen the progression of Forethought since we chatted, you know, about a year ago. It's been pretty insane. And I want to just for people who aren't familiar with Forethought, give kind of the context around what you guys are doing today with the company, and then we'll dive into a bunch of different details. For sure. So Forethought, we build human-centered AI to transform customer experience. Um, so we built an AI platform that can integrate with existing help center technology and then help customers solve their problems. We also use AI to triage and route the remaining issues to the right agents. And then we also provide AI-powered tools to help assist those agents with um, with resolving issues. So kind of think about us as the full stack intelligence platform for customer service and customer experience. Um, and uh, yeah, very excited to, to be on this journey. This has been something where I've seen the, the articles, you know, I read about with your company, how it's progressed, like 20 to 140 something employees in the last year and a half, which is insane growth. I have to talk about that first. How has that been on the hiring front, the growth front with your team, going from that many employees? And even when we talked before, I think maybe like 10 or 15 employees to now like 100 plus. How has that progressed? What's helped you with the hiring? I'm, I'm curious about that, Dion. Yeah, it's been it's been a very uh, interesting journey, very exciting one. Um, well, I always like to say it starts with the people, right? And so in in an industry like ours, where our company is growing fast, uh, the market's moving quickly, uh, the most important thing is to have the the right people on the team and empower them to do the best work of their lives. Um, and so at the start of, I guess, middle 2020, start of the pandemic, we were seeing a lot of shifts in, in work. For example, particularly in customer service, um, many places like in Manila and the Philippines and, and across the United States, there were a ton of um, lockdowns, right? And so that meant customer service agents were sent home, were in, uh, not equipped to work. Um, and so, and then at the same time, we saw this digital shift in um, people in general working from home. So that meant a lot more services were going online, which meant a lot more customer service. So um, in and around the start of the pandemic, not only was there an explosion in volume, but there was uh, an explosion in the need to help people get back online um, and help customer service agents be more productive. And so with that, we saw a lot more of an uptick in our business and in our need to kind of help people uh, uh, work through the pandemic. Um, and so we we continued to grow. We, we scaled our team uh, pretty rapidly, as you mentioned, from about 20, uh, 24 thinkers at the beginning of 2020 to uh, 140, 145 forethinkers now. 
Um, and it's it's been crazy uh, in, in many ways. <laughs> um, you know, it takes a lot of focus, a lot of discipline, um, and and a lot of things break. Right. It, it's always important to like when you're 20 people, you can kind of lean over um, and and talk to people about what's going on, share the culture, share the vision. And when you're you know online um, scaling remotely to 140 people. Uh, it, it starts to become more about how do you communicate well? How do you embed those cultural rituals into the into the culture, into the community? Um, and it's it's not an easy task. With that too, you you mentioned I think in one of the articles you wrote about it with your with your Series C, sixty five million dollar Series C, about how you have like four different hubs now. I want to know more about how at your team at Forethought you're thinking through the hybrid model versus in-person versus fully digital, because I've talked to a lot of different entrepreneurs who have kind of the full spectrum of options they're exploring. For you, take me through how you thought through that at Forethought in terms of how you wanted to structure that. Yeah, we've been through a couple different iterations of this. So first, I'll start by saying that our team is incredibly diverse and and, and relatively distributed. So um, beginning of the pandemic, uh, beginning of the pandemic, we had about 24 thinkers, all of which were in San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, since then, we scaled out our team. We actually launched our second hub in Lehigh, Utah, um, and then over over the course of you know the last year and a half, we also launched a two smaller hubs in Austin, Texas, and Toronto uh, in Canada. Um, and the reasons for that is basically access to talent and and thinking about where the you know the best people in the world are. They're not just concentrated in one locale. They're they're everywhere. Um, for example, uh, I went to school in, in, in the Toronto area at University of Waterloo, and so we were able to tap into our you know, engineering network there for recruiting. Um, Lehigh, Utah, we saw a very strong, there's a very strong community there around sales, around go-to-market talent um, and things like that. And so we were able to tap into these different industries. And so now today what we have is um, this, what we call hybrid and hubs model. Um, so we will have our hubs, so San Francisco, Lehigh, Austin, Toronto, and we'll probably scale um, at, over the next year, probably grow out one more. Um, but then at the same time, with the change in how people work, we actually made the active decision of, well, we are going to have these hubs and we're going to use them in, in a way to invest in community. Um, but at the same time, we don't, you know, quote unquote, care how you get your work done. Um, we, we have a culture of um, accountability and impact here at Forethought in terms of set the goals, um, trust people to do the best work of their lives and get it done. And so we started to create these hubs, but then allowing people to be flexible about whether they came into the office every day, whether they were working from home. Um, and, and then the hub started to kind of organically grow and that be the, the center places of community. While at the same time, we now have people um, across across the United States. We have folks in New York, we have folks in Pennsylvania, a lot of folks remote. Um, but then when we, we have events like our company kickoffs and stuff like that, uh, bringing people together, at least, you know, I guess pre, pre Omicron days, but um, <laughs> things like that. With that too, I want to dive a little bit deeper. So with those hubs, I mean, what is it just having a physical space in each of those locations? It is, and it's like, hey, hey, it's open whenever you want to use it. Is it like renting out someone else's office? Like there's so many ways to go about that. I'm curious as to kind of some logistics for other, you know, founders out there who are kind of considering how they want to go about building their teams around in this kind of digital, this interesting remote world. How have you gone about that? What does it look like in terms of those hubs? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. So in San Francisco, we have our office, actually. So we had um, an office since before COVID. Um, and actually, during COVID, we we ended up uh, finding a way to rent a bigger one uh, f at, a, at a cheap price because a lot of people were trying to get rid of their office space. So did a bit of arbitrage there. Um, so now we have space. It's like a call it a 40 or 50 person um, space. But that's going to 
that's basically going to be our office space for, you know, 100 plus people in San Francisco alone, because not everyone's going in every day. So you don't need, you know, the same uh, one to one ratio for desks. So we have a, an actual space there that we're working in. Um, in in Lehigh, we did we opened up uh, at, at Kiln. Kiln's like a WeWork, um, yep. basically. So we, we have this, you know, uh, shared uh, co-working space type thing. Um, and then in Austin, Toronto, we're just building those out. So we're still figuring that out, but we will likely do, you know, start with a, a WeWork or a kiln or, or spaces or one of those things. And then as we grow, um, be able to kind of move into our own office space. Um, and I really love this idea of kind of space arbitrage, right? So again, like in our <laughs> SF hub, uh, um, 40 desks are going to be able to support well over a hundred people just because of the, the, you know, the statistics of how often people come in. Um, so it's a kind of an interesting world we live in. Yeah. And to be flexible with that, to your exact point of like, you don't know how many people are, are coming in or not. So you have the flexibility of figuring that out, especially when you're at your stage at Series C and the growth. I know you mentioned in the article, you're trying to get to, I think, 250 some employees by the end of 2022. And so... Yeah, obviously you're trying to factor that in as you're as you're going through the office building uh, phase of it as well. And obviously, with what Forthought is doing, the reason it's growing is it's resonating with customers, and there's a lot of enterprises that want to use this on the tangible level of what you guys are doing with this kind of human centered AI and helping people. How is that saving people time? How is that impacting how they work? We're always thinking of future of work at Vitalize, and so I'm curious as to in their job, in their day to day, you know, how is it impacting the people who are using, you know forethought in their product. There are many stakeholders in, in at least the customer service, customer experience world, right? So first and foremost, the agents themselves, the people who are answering questions every single day for customers. Um, but you can also think about the, the consumers themselves, right? This is people like you and me. Maybe we are buying a new product and for some reason it didn't work. And so we got to, you know, send in a support ticket or we have an urgent healthcare question for a loved one. And so we got to pick up the phone and call our uh, primary care physician or something like that. Um, or uh, we're at work and we have a you know question about healthcare benefits. Um, and so we got to send in, uh, you know, open up a chat with uh, with the HR or the people team. Right. And so there are actually many, many different constituents and stakeholders when it comes to what what we describe as this customer experience. Right. We're all customers. We're all consumers in some way, shape or form. So I think there's the, the consumers, there's the agents, and then there are the people working behind the scenes in order to make the system work. So you have your leaders in, in support, you have administrators, you have systems admins and folks like that. And so when you think about all of these touch points and all these people who need information or who need access to data, um, Forethought is the intelligence platform for this entire kind of ecosystem, right? And so it starts with, um, and we kind of name our products this way, Solve, Triage, and Assist. Um, it starts with Solve, which is the ability for customers to get their questions answered automatically, to get their question, their problems solved. Um, and, and we play in the same space as things like chatbots. And so we kind of think, our, think of ourselves as the chatbot killer there, um, so to speak. <laughs> Um, and so if you go on, you know, there are many websites you can go on today, for example, like if you go on Lime.com, open up support and, and, and try to ask a question like, you know, you couldn't lock your bike or whatever, you're going to see a little widget powered by Forethought um, and, and stuff like that. And so you're going to be able to get your question answered immediately uh, through Forethought AI. Um, and then for the remaining um, issues that can't be automated or shouldn't be automated, we then provide tools to make sure that they get to the right agent in the right channel at the right time, and that's our triage product, um, and then empower those agents uh, to have the information at their fingertips. So when you open up a call or when you send in an email to a support agent, even if it's not automated and you're talking directly to an agent, they, behind the scenes, have 
basically have superpowers, right? So they, they have an AI coaching them, bringing them resources, giving them all the information about you and your past history uh, with the company. And this enables, uh, this enables that agent to rapidly respond to the question, have more confidence and, and just have a better day all around. With this, I know there's, like you mentioned, there's other chatbots. You're way beyond just having a chatbot. Obviously, there's way more you're doing, as you just mentioned. But with that, and just in think, taking a step back with forethought and the progression you've had, you know, since 2018, I think it was TechCrunch Disrupt. What has made forethought stand out compared, you know, to other companies? Or, you know, I know you, you, sometimes, sometimes people have an idea of what the competition is doing. They're obviously aware of it. They're not like letting that guide them. They're doing their thing. But with forethought and what you guys have built, I mean, you think you said you, in an article you like five extra ARR and you like triple your customer count uh, in one of the articles that I read, which is insane. But what has made then forethought stand out? You think? So um, three things. One. Um, as as I will always say again, it always starts with the people, right? And so I think I'm insanely proud of the team we've built here at Forethought, um, both from the engineering, machine learning side, and the research that they're doing, um, and then across the stack, right? Whether it's our you know finance people teams, whether it's our um, go to market engine and things like that. So we, I, I'm super proud of our team. Um, and then the other two, I think, are are kind of product uh, innovations, so to speak. So first and foremost, when most people think about this space, they default to thinking about chatbots, right? And so the, the interesting thing about chatbots is, one, they're going after just one narrow part of the market. Um, and as I mentioned, right, 50% of issues shouldn't be automated. 50% of issues you know, should go to uh, an agent. Um, and so if you're just thinking about a chatbot, they're going to be wrong half the time. And then what do you do? What do you do then? Right. And so these are issues like imagine, you know, you were um, you had Thumbtack, right? Thumbtack, you can order uh, a pro to to come work, do something in your house. If there's a trust and safety issue or, or something like that. You don't want um, when you send in a support ticket, you don't want that going to a bot. Right. You, you want that going to a human, somebody who has judgment, who has the yep. ability to. Um, make a call and, and, and actually walk you through those kinds of issues, right? And so there are tons of issues that genuinely require a human. And so we are the complete AI platform rather than just going after a narrow part of the stack. For all of the issues, we can support them. Um, and that's something that you're just not going to see with, with most other systems out there. And then the, the last piece is, is, is true AI, really. Um, AI has become a buzzword across this industry and across many industries. Um, you know, people slap a little bit of statistics on something and they're like, hey, it's AI. Or um, you have a conversational interface, right? So you have something that think Siri or whatever um, can, can kind of interact with words and, and appear like a human. But under the hood, most of these AI products are actually just decision tree based. So what that means is you have a human, an, an intern, an engineer somewhere hard coding if I see word refund, go and issue refund, right? And so when the customer says, I just want my money back, you guys suck, X, Y, and Z, the, the system's not going to know how to respond because it wasn't explicitly programmed to do that. And so with the advent of, of true AI, with natural language understanding, with modern deep learning and technologies like that, we're actually able to build a system that can learn from history. So the very first thing when, when a customer uses Forethought, they'll actually integrate it with their existing system. So these are tools like Zendesk or Salesforce Service Cloud or ServiceNow. And, and then our system will start by literally reading the past 50,000, 100,000 conversations. And that's where the baseline of the AI is built. And so without any manual hard coding, the AI is going to learn, okay, sometimes people say refund, sometimes they say money back and so on and so forth. 
and then learn how to naturally respond to these these problems. And so it's a completely different paradigm shift, not just conversational, which I think was a was a strong wave, but yeah. uh, moving to actual true AI has has unlocked a ton of value for our customers and is in many ways a secret sauce here at Forethought. With that too, how has that evolution of who you're going after as customers, you know, how has that, how has that changed? How has it evolved since, you know, we talked even a, a year ago, you mentioned obviously in the early days, it's a matter of working your networks for those, those people who have any kind of connection in the early days when you're just getting started. But now, I mean, as you're looking at, like I said, the company who's really, you know, you've raised $65 million in the last round, your headcount's growing like crazy revenue, all that, like, how are you looking at it now in terms of the customers you're going after, how you even think about who is a good fit for even where you're going now, but where you can expand into. We'd just love to hear more about you know your thoughts on that, Dion. Yeah, so we tend to go after what we call our, our mid-market uh, enterprise companies, SME, so small and medium enterprise. Um, and and that, that ideal customer profile has grown over time, especially because of the amount of data that we, we take, we read. We typically work well with companies who are hitting a scale point and starting to look to um, driving efficiency and, and driving better outcomes for their customers. And so a lot of our companies tend to be your pre-IPO um, unicorn or your post-IPO company. There, there are a bunch of companies who have recently IPO'd who are all kind of trusting Forethought. Um, so that's something we're really excited about. So that's kind of the sweet spot for Forethought today. Um, and so we don't necessarily go after the smallest companies in the world because they just don't have as much data or as much need for AI, but they actually yeah. can can use us. They just we don't outbound to them. They they tend to come to us. Um, and then over time, as as we grow and as we um, continue to scale our business, we're also going to see uh, a little bit more in kind of that upper um, enterprise area. Um, we don't typically go after the largest companies of the world today, right? You think the Fortune 50, the Fortune 100s, um, because we our sweet spot really is those forward facing um, kind of tech unicorn type companies yep. um, who are who are uh, quick to adopt the the latest and greatest technology. All right. I know you read a lot and I know obviously you have all the data and understandings and learnings from Forethought. With this converse, with this kind of like human-centered AI, what are some other either applications you're thinking about or things that you just were excited for the world to build at some point in this kind of space with you know how human-centered AI AI can can help and kind of move people forward. I'm curious any thoughts you have on that, just because I know you're in this space so much and you do read so much. I'd love to hear that. Oh yeah, the the sky's the limit um, <laughs> for us. I, like so, I I uh, my first ever job in high school was in customer service. I was stocking shelves at, at Shoppers Drug Mart. If anyone <laughs> knows what where that is, but that's the like the Canadian CVS. Right. Yeah. Um, answering customer calls, answering questions kind of on the floor, so to speak, and things like that. Um, so customer service and customer experience is really near and dear to my heart. And I actually think it's going to be a massive, massive industry. It is very likely, um, as, as we're hopefully leading, um, <laughs> the first industry to to um, kind of be transformed radically by artificial intelligence. Right. Um, but then I like to think about all of the other applications, probably the, the best um, company, the best analogy for this is like Salesforce. They became a giant, um, you know, gazillion dollar company as the system of record for sales folks when they launched Sales yep. Cloud. Um, and then they launched Service Cloud for customer service reps. And that became an even bigger business. And then Commerce Cloud, Marketing Cloud, and so on and so forth. And so Salesforce's playbook was to become the system of record for every single enterprise workflow. 
Um, and so when I think about this new wave of technologies, like that was basically the last generation of, of businesses coming to the cloud. And when I think about AI, I think there's going to be a very similar shift, right? And so starting with customer service, um, but then when you think about sales and IT service management and all of the different workflows in the enterprise, pretty much anywhere where humans are interacting uh, through questions, through information, that interface can can be supercharged by artificial intelligence. And so I genuinely do think that there's there are massive industries um, waiting to be adopted here. Yeah. There, I mean, if you look at the space and everything people are building, it, it does seem like there's a lot that could be done within using this and actual true AI as well, as you mentioned with that as well. And one thing I'm just, I'm just curious about, because you wrote this again in one of the articles, I think for the announcement said, uh, 2021 was a year that stretched me and challenged me as a CEO and has, and as a human being more than I could have imagined. It was a lot for a lot of people, obviously going through this last year and a half plus for you though, just as we kind of wrap things up and you know, you see the highs and the growth and everything with the companies, which is incredible, but also it's really hard to build companies, especially a startup <laughs> and especially to have success, like the level of you've had, like what has helped you through the last year and a half plus even of, of building forethought of obviously the, everything going on in the world. You have a couple kids as well. Like there's just like so much in life, like what helps you move forward, keep progressing, get through challenges as you've kind of built and lived the last year and a half or so. I'd say it's it's kind of that um, it's going to sound almost cliche, but the the personal work, the inner work, right? So this the startup of of yourself yeah. um, as a CEO, and I think it's going to be it's true for everyone. Um, but for my vantage point specifically, wh what I mean by that is there's there's a ton of as as the company grows, you know, they say like bigger company, bigger problems, right? Like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, in in the sense that building a startup actually doesn't ever get any easier. Right. You get better um, and your team, the, the team around you continues to get better. Right. And so what all that means is that continuing to up level myself is, has been the most important thing for me to be able to scale the company. Right. And so little things like getting to know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and, and then complementing that with what is my team good at and not good at, and then bringing on the best people in the world in order to to kind of, you know, build that out. Right. So. I, that's been probably the biggest learning, right? And that's both from a skill set perspective and from a um, just a personality perspective, right? And so um, that that's yeah, that 2021 has meant a lot of personal growth for me, just in 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 that regard. Yeah, there's so much to do with that too. I know you had mentioned in our other interview about getting an executive coach. Um, I know like Gail at our firm at Vitalize has mentioned using a coach as well. A bunch of founders of ours use coaches to help them. And that that's all about the inner work. Like you said, like to scale your company, it, it is obviously the people around you, but that really starts from you and putting people in those places and everything with that as well to actually be able to build that. But uh, it's been quite a run already with what you're doing at Forethought. Very excited for you. Where's the best place for people to you know learn more about what Forethought is doing and connect with you as well, Dion? Yeah. So to learn more about Forethought, just head over to forethought.ai. We did a really cool rebrand, uh, I'd say last November. So our website's like just really fun. Like just go spend <laughs> some time, learn about our products, learn about us. Um, but I can also be reached at Dion at forethought.ai. I mean, you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram at dojiboy9, D-O-J-I-B-O-Y-9. Um, don't ask about the handle. It's a long story, but <laughs> um, that's, I know where, from a different interview. that's where you can find me. <laughs> Perfect. Dion, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Justin. Bye.
Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about us, head on over to vitalize.vc. You can also follow us on Twitter at vitalizevc, or you can follow me on Twitter at justingordon212. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.